says, get that India, big boy. Hello and welcome back to another installment of the Tip Sheet Podcast. As always, I'm your host, John, also known as 4020. And what is going to go down in history as the weekend of Instant Reaction Podcast 60s, there's another one on the block, the third one of the weekend, because it is just that special of a weekend for the club. How you doing, big fella? We're here live, or I say live, we're obviously recording, but recording in the wake of a historic win in the NRLW for the Parramatta Eels. Just when I thought the weekend couldn't get any better, uh, the, the Eels NRLW team has basically said, hold my beer. <laughs> yeah, yes, <laughs> hold, indeed. Hold our beers, <laughs> whatever the case may be, and just stepped up to the plate in one of the most remarkable finals performances against an undefeated team that you would ever, ever see. The underdog to end all underdogs. I, I don't know what the betting line was coming into this 60s. I'm, I'm not a big gambler myself, but... In terms of rugby league odds, you'd think they would have been well out past $5. The one win Parramatta Eels up against the undefeated Sydney Roosters, the reigning premiers, the, not, not just undefeated, they were untouchable for the regular season. Mate, I, I don't mind an investment, but as you know, I'm not allowed to invest <laughs> on the Eels. And that's, that's, that's not by some sort of statute that I'm not oh, allowed to. It, but, it, but it is an imposed... Yes. Uh, you know, best, he, his, best his gambling rights have been revoked on the Bourne Gold after yeah. after the uh, absolute bad juju inflicted on the team, even even with good intentions. Oh, mate, you know, like the 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 number of the amount of pain I've inflicted on Eels supporters, either backing individuals in award uh, markets or mm-hmm. backing the team to win or, or to or to uh, get to finals or to take out titles or whatever the case may be. I've inflicted some pain on the Eels. Uh, their fellow TCT uh, boys and, and, and some supporters I know have said, you are never, ever allowed to put your coin on the Eels again. I have not done that, even though I do the punting tip, even though I've put on my share of multis this year. Nothing, no not a single cent has gone on the eels. I'm going to continue it that way. And as tempting as the odds were today to put some coin on oh, the girl. Uh, no, there would have been some very healthy investments to be made here. Even with the line, they would have given the eels a huge start here. And given that they won 24 to 10, they, they just exceeded all expectations. I mean, they weren't given a snowball's chance in hell realistically by any of the pundits in the media. And I understand why this isn't me being critical. Uh, but we spoke about it. We mentioned that there were signs in the game against the Brisbane Broncos where the best that they'd played there, minus just a few of those handling errors that sort of had impeded them through the course of that win last week, and suddenly the the levelling factor is right there. Like, the, the Eels are a lot closer than a lot of people would have thought that, you know, given them a chance to be. And sure enough, this game here, you would have thought that the Roosters were the team that were coming into the finals for the first time ever. They had the jitters. The Eels rattled them. They were the ones turning the ball over, you know, squandering opportunities, getting rattled in tackles. And it was the Eels that just kept rolling over. So let's run through yep. the numbers quickly, big fellow, before I let you tee off on what caught your eye in this game because there is a lot to talk about. But Oh, we could we could make this an epic episode, but we'll get to the, we'll, 
we'll, we'll try and be settled. We'll try and get to the the key moments, the key numbers. Um, we'll, we'll, we we are going to be hyped <laughs> and excited, looking forward to this weekend. Uh, uh, literally, oh, like we've got the sun, Sunday was already an incredible experience awaiting Eels fans. It is now twice as good. You know, we if you're planning to get there for the seven thirty or whatever it is kickoff, seven fifty pm kickoff. I don't know what it is for the NRL. You're going to get there now for the three fifty five pm kickoff because that's what you're going to be there to see the Eels take on the Newcastle Knights in the NRLW. Uh, but yeah, th- this is history for the Eels. It's history for the NRL and the NRLW because prior to today, only one club had achieved the uh, NRL NRLW grand final feat in the same season. That was going back to 2018. It was the team we defeated today, the Sydney Roosters. And of course, that was a four-team NRLW with no play into the grand final. The top two teams from the round-robin format, the single single round-robin format, met each other in a one-off grand final. Uh, obviously, fast forward now to the most recent iterations or a six-team format with the grand final prelim or the uh, the qualifying final, whichever you want to uh, call it, the prelim final. Semi-final. Yeah, semi-final. So there, there are more stakes to be had. It is that much harder to make it uh, make this feat happen. And yeah, the Eels secure a unique slice of history, the first team in the uh, six-team NRLW era alongside the 16-team NRL era to achieve the simultaneous uh, grand final qualification there. So very, very cool, uh, very, very unique thing for the club. And now the, the both teams, just one one more game away, 80 minutes for the boys, 70 for the girls. But let's look at this game, 60s, Parramatta Eels 24 over the Sydney Roosters 10. For the Roosters, it was Shania Power and Sarah Togatuki. First try in the 17th minute for the Roosters, last try in the 64th minute when the game was all but over. Zahara Tem- uh, Temera, I was about to say Tamara, it doesn't rhyme, it's Temera, Zahara Temera. One conversion from two in the 65th minute. For the Eels, Ashley Quinlan, she built on that fantastic game against the Brisbane Broncos, opened the scoring as the first try scorer among both teams in the 13th minute. Abby Church, stepping in for co-captain Tiana Penatani, did a fantastic job. She scored in the 22nd minute with Taylor Preston and Rakia Horn adding second-half tries, crucial second-half tries, as the Eels uh, would go on to secure the victory on the back of those two four-pointers. And Taylor Preston, arguably the best goal kicker in the competition, four from four in terms of try conversions. We had the delayed Mitchell Moses gambit here, 60s. Missed the penalty goal, couldn't quite go on the score from the uh, resultant set, but I think it was one or two sets later uh, the Rakia Horn try happened. So, yes, I'm, I'm now coining that term, the uh, the Moses gambit, when you miss the penalty goal and turn it into points uh, afterwards. For the Eels, though, they dominated possession 57% to the Roosters, 43 Time of possession, uh, about seven and a half minutes in their favour. Completion rates well and truly in Parramatta's favour, 82% to the try covers, 56%. And as you'd expect, all key attacking stats, well, not all key actually, all the running stats, the, the most predictive stat of victory in their favour, 164 runs to 143 in favour of Parramatta. They were up 1,688 metres to 1,467 metres, there we go, against the Roosters. Uh, plus 100 just about in post-contact, five line breaks apiece. The Roosters actually broke more tackles, uh, and had a slight ascendancy in average set distance. While in a classic Parramatta fashion, they had the much faster play to ball speed. They were down at 3.39 to our 3.91. Uh, Eels had a few more offloads. Both teams didn't do a great job defusing the ball, but the Eels scramble on those bouncing kicks was outstanding. Whereas for the Roosters, I know Rakia Horn scored the uh, match sealer in the 62nd minute off a bouncing kick, but there was about two or three chances, 60s, where the Eels felt like they could have scored if, you know, just a supported ride the fraction earlier on those bouncing balls because the Roosters just did not want any part of Preston's attacking kicks. Uh, 
Parramatta Eels, 81% effective tackle rate. Roosters, 87.61, which makes sense when you consider the broken tackles. Eels are far less errors, less penalties, great discipline from our girls. They use less interchanges. In terms of the player stats, uh, some good stuff here as well. A whole stack of players up over 100. Gal Broughton, magnificent, 16 carries, 185 metres. Rakia Horn, 11 carries, 123 metres. Going into the front row, Ellie Johnson, very good, 12 carries, 134 metres. Christian Pio, 119 metres. Samima Taufer, of course, over 150. Kennedy Charrington, building on her superhuman efforts last week. She went over 200 again. So she was 260 last week, 214 this week. Then off the bench, well, I say off the bench, she was uh, named on the bench because of the way the uh, NRL formatting works. Abby Church, she also had 113 metres from left centre. So a whole stack of great offensive performances. In terms of the tackle busters, 60s, five for Gale, six for Quinlan. Uh, and then you've got three for Johnston, three for Taufa, three for Charrington, four for Church. And then we go to the defensive metrics where Samoa Taufa tops the tackle count, uh, 36 tackles, four missed, one ineffective. And then you've got the likes of Kennedy behind her, 27 tackles, three missed, two ineffective. Uh, 22 tackles for Brooke Anderson, who worked hard as a starting dummy half, 25 for Christian Pio. So all the forwards there getting heavily involved defensively. Defensively, sorry. Uh, and, you know, that those numbers add up to what the tape was showing us. This was a team performance. If Even if a number of players stood up individually across the park, all 17 players did fantastically. Yeah, I, look, I think the, the telling stat for me from a team perspective was the completion rates with Parramatta up over 80% and the, the Roosters just, you know, you'd have to say an abominable Oh, yeah, I mean, clearly not the game plan for them to be a tick over 50% of the completion rates. They they were rattled. Parramatta got to them. They challenged them yeah. with the physicality through the middle. They they I imagine the Roosters were expecting to be able to tee off down our edges, given what they did in round one against us. But the Eels had a much better and much more focused defensive plan on both sides of the ruck. Rakia Horn and Abby Church did really, really well up against the superstar pairing of Sergis and Kelly. Uh, you know, there were a couple of times where the Roosters challenged them because they are a good team, but still, uh, the Eels were a vastly different team defensively to when these teams met over a month ago. Yeah, this is the point that I wanted to make about the the difference with the completion rates, is that I believe that the Eels earned the poor completion rates from the Roosters mm. by just the just how bustling they were, just the energy that they put into their defence. And and even though there were uh, more tackles missed by the Eels when it came, you know, came down to it, there it was it was really the well, obviously the scramble was working well, but the the players were just hustling in there. And even if the tackle wasn't completed, you you saw that another player you know, they were they were getting the player off their run. You know, they were mm-hmm. they were disrupting what the uh, Roosters were trying to do in attack. So, um, you know, I, in in some instances, it's a bit hard to call, um, you know, tackles ineffective because as a team, they were very effective in, in yeah, defending. Yeah, the there, there are ways to corral, you know, especially with teams that like to go across the field too. You know, you, you can give up an ineffective tackle here or there or even a missed tackle because you're essentially shepherding or hurting the runner into the teeth of the defense. Correct. The the Roosters didn't get to run the plays anywhere near where they wanted to, and that was really critical today. And and just the way the Eels were able to bounce back when they had their turn in possession. Now, we saw 
we saw glimpses of Parramatta being able to do that against the Roosters, even though they lost convincing in the, convincingly in the end against the Roosters in the, in the very first round match. Yeah, uh, but but that was that was one of those matches where uh, the Roosters had two um, real strong bursts of scoring tries, like one on top of the other. Yes, yes, and and the and the game was really going with possession, but. The Eels, they just they just showed those glimpses that they would be able to threaten if they could get. Um, well, obviously, they had to stop the Roosters' run of points being scored in that match. They weren't as effective at, at doing that, but they did show that they could throw something at them in attack. And we, it, it, coming out of the preseason, I said that the Eels were going to offer more in attack than they did in the 2021 season, which was played at the start of the year. I said, watch for a lot more from uh, from the Eels. They're going to play a faster brand of football. You did, yep. We've, we've, we've seen evidence of that. We just saw some tweaks that were made after that first round loss. And you'd have to say that Dean Witters has, has really pulled the right rein because the halves pairing have gone yeah. better, better every week. We've seen, oh, like, one of the... I think one of the key moves was moving Rakia Horn from, from wing, wing to centre. Center. Yeah, big time. She, her, her, just her, her reading uh, in defence, her reading of the play in defence has been exceptional. And, you know, she, she's asked plenty of questions carrying the yeah, ball. She, and, she is and, a pound-for-pound monster, breaks tackles, great post-contact metres, and is always asking questions. She chases, She's up on the ball, she runs hard, everything you want from a centre. Yeah, so it, look, just so many right calls that were made by Dean Witters, and and people have look, people have rightfully said, in terms of getting into uh, finals when you've you've just won the one match, but that's just the nature of the NRLW with it only being a five. Yes, ex- exactly. And uh, I mean, on the flip side, you mean I'm glad you brought up Dino because there were fans that were understandably asking questions because you look at the results and it's like, how are we getting zero? Like, you know, we're no wins, we're no wins. That comes back to the concept that it was a five-round regular season. It just it is so hard for a team to build into it, and now we're seeing that you know with the benefit of that extra week, even just one week, the Eels had a chance to build that much better by virtual well, making the finals. First, after that first week, you could basically say that the, the Eels were really unlucky in every game yeah. after that, mm-hmm. especially when you had the couple of weeks where it was back to back two-point losses, and one of those two-point losses was a loss that should never have happened. It was diabolical, diabolical and bunker calls yeah, you against know, the Newcastle Knights. You know how I keep telling you that sports has the best drama, the best script writing possible? Who are the Parramatta taking on next week? Yes, of course. And yeah. it's and, and now now it's, the, it's, it's that opportunity for the Eels to um, – look, I think the Eels, the Eels, if we can win this, and I believe we're – well and truly in it because oh, the, the self belief is going to be through chance. the roof now. Yeah, uh, you know they they should have beaten the Knights before. They've given the Roosters a football lesson today. Um, the team's going to be going into next week with a lot of belief. Don't get me wrong; like um, I before the ball was kicked this season, I said, you know, Newcastle's just re- recruited two of the best players mm-hmm. in the world, Upton and Boyle, in, uh, in Upton and Boyle, like. Gee, yeah, you, you're looking to you're looking to turn your your football team around, and, and how and they were able to make to go Upton out was sensational today. Just she she was absolutely like superhuman today. So 
Yeah. You know, yeah. So big, big look, time it's not going to be. Won't be an easy. It, look, it won't be an easy task. But we were speaking about what the, you know, what the Roosters had in store for the Eels and and the power that they had in the centres. Yep. You know, speed, the, those speed dual power centers out and wide. Centers. Absolutely monsters. Yeah, absolute monsters in the middle in Togatuki and Hill Moana. Um, Moana Hill, but sorry. the way that those, the way that the centres at the Roosters that they actually get them combining on the same side of the field, yes. even. Yep. Like, they, they, you know, we do, we talk about how great it is when you see halves play on the same side of the field. The, the Roosters are, are almost taking it back to traditional rugby league and having an inside centre and outside centre at times. Such was the way that they utilised the strike of their two centres. And, um, you know, when it, when it comes to um, comebacks, I mean, Samantha Bremer for the Roosters, you know what? what she's brought to them this year. So it's tough for them. They've had one loss this year. Bang, they're, they're out. They don't even play in the big dance with, with after being undefeated against yeah. every other opponent. They don't – there is no recourse. That's the nature, as I said, of the NRLW and the structure with only a six-team competition. Obviously, it changes as uh, it I goes mean, to 10 to yeah. next year. But that, and, and that those, is it. Th- those results obviously figure themselves out the more regular season games you have because – Form has a chance to play out across more games. It's it is quite literally the definition of a sample size, and why you know having more games, more a bigger sample is important. But in saying that, as we've seen in the NRL finals, you get to the prelim to the grand final qualifier, and you can have one v seven or you know anything like that, and you can have the underdog still knock them over. When it is sudden death football, teams like the Parramatta Eels, like we saw today, can come in and start kicking ass and taking names. And that's what, exactly what they did. They, they were focused. They were driven. They were hungry. You know, Dean Witters had a fantastic game plan. The girls went out there and executed brilliantly. And you just saw that they, they wanted the collisions more. They wanted the loose balls more. They chased harder. They, they turned up in numbers every time when there was a line break. So th- this was just such a testament to the, you know, sisterhood, I suppose, instead of brotherhood. Because, you know, we talked about the brotherhood for the NRL team on Friday night. The sisterhood that we saw today was incredible. Yeah, yeah, no no doubt. Now, just looking back at some of these big plays, so first try, Ash Quinlan. Talk to me about the footwork well, there. Qu- Quinlan has been, I mean, I wrote about her in the NRLW preview that I put out last night. She was one of my key plays because she's been building herself through this regular season and then we started to really see her find herself against the Brisbane Broncos and I wanted to see her build on that again and she did. And she just has she attacks the line of really nice shape. Uh, she doesn't get too sideways. She's uh, capable of straightening up and really explosive with that left foot. And the thing is, she's good off the left foot, but you also got to respect that right to left pass because she can fire a bullet to Zali Faye. And the the Roosters are obviously cognizant of that. And they and if you watch the replay, uh, you'll see that I believe it's uh it's uh is it Kelly or Sergis down that side? I think it's uh Kelly down that side. Uh, Kelly was cheating almost every time on the sweeper. She was really worried about uh, Quinlan finding uh, Broughton in a bit of time and space. And the flip side of that is that she was able to plant her left foot and you know duck under the cover defense and score that opening try and, and was just a menace to the right edge of the Roosters throughout that entire game. Well, she she came very close to getting a second. Uh, yeah, a, a double. And very I, I, I was very frustrated with that bunker call, but I will say that at least they were consistent later in the game when Gal Broughton had that incredible try-saving tackle. Yeah, yeah. Now, look, I, I, I really haven't got the issues with the with the bunker today. I think 
uh, literally oh, I since think, the, the look, change in the bunker. We're, I, the, the, we've had that change in the bunker since that round against Newcastle, and Chris Butler's been in there. And I think he's done. I think he's done a really good well, job. He, he was consistent. That, that, that is the big thing for me. If you're going to make that call and say that uh, Quinlan lost the ball, then give it to the Eels on when it happens the other time, other time round. And it's exactly what he did. So I, I'm not upset about that. With the benefit of hindsight now, I was pretty fired up at the time. Uh, but I also want to give a shout out to Belinda Sharp, who I thought actually caught a pretty solid game. I, I know we've been very critical, and I, once again, this is because we want to keep the NRLW to a standard that can help the game you know, become a premier platform among uh, the female codes. But I thought that Sharp was quite good today. Yeah, no no uh, argument from me there. And it's not, and we're not talking about this because uh, the Eels won. What we're, what we're after, and as John just said, for the NRLW to be the product that it deserves, it needs, it needs really good officiating. My my question mark all through the season had been what sort of support they're getting from their sideline officials. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw that the sideline official today in the try that was dis- ended up being disallowed by the bunker, and rightly so, when the Roosters player put her, her foot into touch. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't quite sure how that went up as a try. Um, I, I mean, again, it doesn't matter, but... Uh, you know, and we're not looking at it. For, and to be fair, we're not looking at it the angle from which the sideline official is, or and and I'm, we're not privy to what the uh, sideline official said to Belinda Sharp. But obviously, it had had been. Look, I think she's okay. Um, you might, you know, you might want to check. I don't know, but she's the, it's gone up as a try, and she was clearly her foot on the line. It seemed like that in the television coverage. The, the commentators basically said, look, we're surprised you stayed in. And uh, and it went up as a, a try, but very quickly, you could see on first replay that it wasn't a try and uh, and and really um, quite obvious that it wasn't a try. So I get a little, I get a little bit concerned about whether the, uh, the officials in the middle are getting the level of support that they need from their sideline, but we don't know. We're not listening to any communication that's going on so that's supposition but coming, um, anyway coming, let's get back to yeah this. i was gonna let's say coming back, back coming back to what you posed to me if uh ash quinlan is the magician the the real you know live wire sparked on that left edge then her partner in crime is the conductor uh taylor preston was just pulling strings in this game wasn't she 60s oh yeah and 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 i think we need to get to her we, we'll just go uh because i, I want to go through some of these scoring moments um abby church mate she she got the second try and um, I, look, I thought she did a, a tremendous job in a very narrow uh, corridor in which she scored there. Yeah, stood up. Uh, I think it was three defenders in the end. Just uh, found the uh, the soft spot in the zone, I suppose. Uh, they, you know, just that little hesitation move uh, caused the defenders to uh, plant their feet, and she just ducked through uh, that little sliver of daylight that she had there, and did a fantastic job. And you know, there were big question marks because Abby was involved in that round one loss where the Eels, you know, got pounded on the edges. So coming into this game, maybe she had a few mental questions about whether she could handle it. And you know, and it's not like these players have a reserve-grade competition. No, no, you're, you're literally – That's right. You're you doing your work at training in opposed runs, and that's it. You, you know, there is no uh, Harvey Norman's Women's Premiership right now. There is no reserve-grade. So you're coming into this game ice cold, and you, you, obviously you're reviewing the tape, you're doing your opposed runs, but that's all you got. And you're going up against one of the premier centres in the game, and she did a fantastic job. Held her own really, really well. 
Uh, you know, just I know the Roosters bottled a couple of tries down that edge in return, but the, the Eels put the pressure on them. So, yeah, really happy with what Abby did there. Fantastic footwork and, and sort of hustle to get over the line for that second try. And, yeah, and just individually, she can be very, very happy. And, and she wore a real – it wasn't, like, deliberate, but she wore a real nasty shot in the first half too. Um, I think she got the stray elbow right in the guts. So uh, she battled through yeah. that and uh, did a really, really good job. Yeah, and now let's let's get to uh, the uh, player that you've already mentioned, the halfback, Taylor Preston. Uh, what a game from her today, and we will get onto that in a little bit. But that try that she scored, just that determination to chase and and, and to get there was uh, it. It I know Rakia's try ended up really wrapping up the match, but that that try from uh, Preston really made the Roosters task. Yeah. So that just so kicked, kicked it out you to the 14 point it, lead. It would have been a heartbreaker for them. Yeah. That, that's what kicked it out to a 14 point lead, right? Uh, at the yeah. time with, uh, I think it was about 18 minutes left in the game. Once the conversion had been taken just once again, and it's a word we probably use to describe a lot of the plays in this game. It was pure hustle. You know, it was a, a really interesting grubber kick that sort of took that real sideways turn in the end goals it was going to be a line drop at the worst if we just played defensively. But, you know, so that Carpe Diem mentality seizing the day, uh, she pushes in, gets the arm arm around the defender and plants the ball down. And, you know, I, I, was, I wasn't upset that it went up as a no try. It was one of those real, you know, there's no way she managed to keep uh, the hand on the ball the entire time. Like, surely there's going to be some degree of separation given how much the ball had bounced off the turf. But, you know, she just wanted it that much that she kept the hand on it for the entire time and scored an absolutely critical four-pointer, which then became six because she's an absolute sharpshooter off the tee. Mate, I, I was even wondering whether her her modus with um, her modus operandi with the celebration, which looked like a frustrated reaction, um, influenced Belinda Sharp in sending it up with no try because <laughs> I, I, I think, I think most yeah. people have seen it, read it as, as frustration, yeah. whereas it, she was banging the turf. Out of joy. Yeah, out of just the, the hot, hot blooded joy. You know, like I've done it. You know, we've done it. You know, that that is a nail on the coffin. You know, they finally converted all that territory and pressure into that critical free score lead. Yeah. Now, was, um, did that, did that kick come from Brooke Anderson? I, I thought it was from Brooke Anderson. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. Uh, she, she's, that, that, uh, she's I been a real, yeah, real point of difference for the Eels. And, a bit like Brad Arthur, Dino's got the the same systems in place where naming some players to the bench when they're going to clearly start uh, in Kennedy and and Brooke most recently. But yeah, she's she's been really nice. She runs the ball strongly, got a clean pass, and that kicking game it it can lead to. Uh, once again, I wrote about this in the preview. It can lead to uh, some turnovers in terms of if the if the defenders can catch the ball in the front line because she can be very opportunistic with the kicks. But in general, it tends to work out pretty well because she's got a good feel for when to kick. Well, that particular kick, right, it's it's one that I've seen um, young Jake Arthur work on, which is you get the kick over the top of the of the feet that is kicking out in defence, you know, that are trying yeah. to make it difficult like to top, thread the ball top through. Top heavy, yeah. So it's, yeah, that, there is a real art to that, to be able to thread the needle, but actually not thread the needle along the ground, but actually thread it, just chipping it a little bit above the uh, above ankle height uh, or, or between knee and ankle height, so that it can't be. Um, it's not as easy to knock down or to or to get the foot to with it when a foot comes out. And um, yeah, really, really good there. And then of course, 
that that player again, Taylor Preston, hoists the kick that had that wicked bounce in, as far as the Roosters were concerned, but the superb bounce for Rakia Horn chasing through. And you just knew as soon as she was hightailing it through in the in the chase that the ball was going to end up in her hands and she wasn't going to be denied getting across the line. Yeah, and like I said earlier in the podcast, th- this was a try in particular that had been brewing for just about 40 or 50 minutes at that point in the game because right through those middle sort of contests in this game, the Roosters have been really reticent to contest the Preston high ball. They let it bounce yep. a number of times. I think Cassie Tohihiku uh, got caught on the last chat. Like she chased through and got the ball and just couldn't find support two or three times. And then we get uh, Rakia Horn, that one last uh, bouncing ball, and she converts it into the glory ceiling four-pointer. And yeah, what a, what a wonderful payoff for Rakia. She's been fantastic this game, been fantastic all season. Uh, you know, yeah, just such a deserved meat pie for one of the Parramatta's best, not just today, but throughout the entire campaign. Mate, it- just looking at the individual players, I mean, there's we could literally go one to seventeen oh, and find like, like, that like we're Friday night. Like we're Friday night. This is just two teams, thirty-four players that, as as a team, as individuals, all came out to play in the biggest games of their careers. Yeah, the, uh, we're going to get to the three, two, ones in a moment, but you, we're really looking at Dean Witters has found the combinations really that he wants he's he's got he's got danger there on both edges because i think you both uh pio and uh, foliaki they're a handful yeah. for defenders to yeah. pull down yeah like, Fol- I mean, they, is a real goer really is a real real goer high energy obviously i think it's a little bit like rakia pound for pound very very tough to bring down whereas pio good line runner and she's got a really really sneaky offload and I think that the defenses are really trying to are really struggling to contain that. There's been a couple of critical plays in the last two games that come off the back of her offloads. Yeah, and and I'll tell you one of the amazing things is I'm going to tell you right now that Gail Broughton's not finishing in my three two ones. And if you if you look at the stats that she's got there, um, that's probably an insane call from me and you know my thoughts on Gail Broughton as a player and I think she's you know I think she's got the rugby league world at her feet and well, she's still so new to the game freshly crowned. but I can't find her I can't find a, a th- I can't find her in the 321 and this is an indication of how tough it's going to be for the 321 because yes yeah, she's got 185 uh run meters she's got 51 of those po- post contact meters she's got five tackle breaks she's got an offload you know, she's she's just had a really, really um, good game at, at fullback, but there's just the the contributors there that were in the line in front of her are, are just so numerous that I can't find I can't find a space for her in I'm, the three two one. I'm not sure I've ruled her out just yet. Um, I, I thought just defensively there were a number of critical plays that she made as well that really have just stood out in my head. Uh, and just the the relentless engine on both sides of the ball, I think, really jumped out at me. And also, not, not that it has an influence on the 3-2-1, but it is worth mentioning. Uh, also, freshly minted as the, I believe, the competition's Rookie of the Year or the Players' Rookie of the Year. Yeah, Rugby League Players Rugby League Association. Rugby League Players Association, NRW Rookie, Rookie of the Year. So, I mean, yeah. that, that that is a fantastic reward for Gail, who... Uh, and, and the scary thing is, I don't think we've seen her best. I, I don't no, think... No, we're not even scratching the surface. Yeah. And, and even... 
even in scratching the surface, right, I'm I'm going to make a little bit of a comparison here. In me not putting her in the 3-2-1, it's like those weeks that you get with King Gutho where he's got amazing stats yeah, he's and got, he's gone influential over, in yeah, the game. Over, over a buck 50. Other players exactly. Over a buck 50 on the ground plus, you know, line break assist, try assist. But, you know, the, there's other factors at play for other players. But, yeah, I mean, I've, and I think – I'm not sure if we mentioned this, but I think she's in limbo insofar as representing New Zealand for the Rugby World Cup because – she feels like she hasn't fully understood the game yet as a student and doesn't want to stand in someone else's way for you know international football. But I hope she does play because I think that the RLWC could be an incredible learning experience for her uh, moving forwards because you know, she is supremely talented. It's just about you know the positioning and the timing. That's all that's left for her here. Yeah, yeah, I agree. So, um, But yeah, look, the, the Eels forwards did... Um, a, a tremendous job. We talked about the physicality, about putting the the uh, roosters off their game. You've then got um, the halves who were weaving their magic. The 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 backs who basically needed to, just did what they needed to do. The the players coming off the bench making those contributions. It is literally like it's almost like textbook rugby league, isn't it? What they produce today. Yeah. yeah just once again, it comes back to the identity of Parramatta, doesn't it? You know, real aggression and power through the middle, and then you take your chances out wide. So, really glad to see that that Witters and Penatani and Taufa have you know helmed the team that has just created their culture beautifully, and is now buying in 100 percent at the most important time of the season. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna now start with the uh, with the three two ones, and I, I've already um, suggested it's going to be this way. Taylor Preston gets my three. Any time you needed something to to happen in, in terms of just either settling the team down or getting the team on the right foot um, individually, what she was able to contribute to the players around her, making them them look good as well. I can't go past the, her for my uh, three points. Yeah, Kennedy Charrington made it very very close for me. She was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, two weeks in a row, she's been just outstanding on both sides of the ball. But, you know, we, we constantly extol the importance of an elite kicking game, as does Bernie Gurr when he joins the podcast. And it's probably fair to say that she might have, Taylor that is, might have the best kicking game, uh, not just in live play, but off the tee as well, in the NRLW. She consistently finds the grass. She rakes the ball downfield. Just about the only thing that she needs to work on now is just that you know, ever so slight angle. So she can hit a 40-30 every now and then. Uh, but you couple her incredible clearing game, uh, whether it's uh, you know playing behind the ruck or out to the edge, with the fact that most tries turn into six-pointers with her kicking at the tee. And yeah, she's just been wonderful with the Parramatta Eels. Uh, a real uh, playmaker's game in this, in this particular contest. Was heavily involved distributing the ball, organising a team, and those kicks were sensational. So yeah, three points. And the thing is that she was a rookie. Yeah, she, and, and, and she's and, a young and, one too. I think she's 22, 23. Yeah, um, yeah. I think she's she's um, uh, about to turn 23. And as I said, but a, a rookie in terms of this elite level of competition. And you just know that, again, the words that I use to describe Gail Broughton is just scratching the surface. Mm-hmm. Her kicking game is only going to get better. Like, you know that what she's got is she's got – the those 
the trick kicks. She's she's just got a mixture in her uh, her skills kit, and as the the more experience that she has, the the better that she's going to get. So uh, now to the two points, you've basically signaled where I'm going yeah, for the it, two points. It, it, it was impossible not to give Kennedy Cherrington. Her, her her numbers just leap out at the page. I mean, it's there with the eye test, um, with with how she plays. But you're looking at 214 run meters, 72 post contact, uh, 27 tackles, um, three uh, tackle breaks. It just again one of those powerhouse performances. Uh, you know, we talk about how the the and, and it's an old cliche, but the forwards having to lay a platform. Well, I said it was today was like classical rugby league. Just it, she typified that in terms of an individual performance. And, and a lot of those carries, which the numbers won't tell you, were the tough ones. Like right into the set defensive line, into the hard hitters in the Roosters lineup, and you know she just took all the big hits, got up, played the ball, and just kept going. Yeah, and and what you what you love about Kennedy is that she's literally daring the defence to, you know, to hit her hard. Yeah. I mean, she's she's like as you said, she's she's making those dirty carries that that you know they she's not taking those glory runs. Yeah, getting, where, you know, getting, getting in the back of a prop forward that's gotten over this a line for fast play the ball, and you, I mean, obviously you love when you've got a lock forward or, or a middle forward that can do that, get in behind the ruck off for fast play the ball and and gash him, which Kennedy is quite capable of too. But in this case, she was doing the tough work. You know, she yeah. she was going shoulder to shoulder up against the the Roosters in a set defensive line and and still getting across the advantage line. I just love how she gets into the opposition players' yeah. faces. You yeah. know, she's she's going to be she'd be one of those players that the the opposition players <laughs> you could imagine that off the field they love her and her fun. Yeah, and, but the, the and moment the moment that out on the siren field, rings, they hate you, the tester. Yeah, and as as a player, you'd love to play alongside him, hate to play against him. You know the type. Yeah, they're they're tough, they're niggly, they they just they're always on the ball, whether it's a tackle or defense, and you hate that. It's like you're always looking across at the corner of your eye. When's she coming? Is she going to hit me? You know, and and yeah, she is really that kind of player. And like like we said, last two weeks, including this game, just has taken her game to another level, and it's no coincidence. Uh, you know, she she was one of the core players that went out and recruited. She is one of the the players that the team that the club chose to build around when they they initially put this team together. And she's repaying yeah. the faith big time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, so you've gone two points there for for, for Kennedy. Kennedy as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, now the one point. This is where it starts to get to get really hard because I've already indicated I'm not giving it to Gail Broughton. I could have easily given it to Gail Broughton. Um, I I've already talked about how much I um, value what Rakia Horn brings to the team ash quinlan we talked about her her contributions and and just how important the halves pairing is to the eels and then i could literally rattle off every single forward whether that's you know any any of the bench players or certainly the, the starting players um so it really comes down to where i thought the the biggest contribution came so i'm going to narrow it down back into the forwards because of the platform that was laid and, um, man, I was tossing up whether to, to go with Brooke Anderson because I really like what she brought. But I'm going to – I have to go with the captain. 
Samai Matalfa, 156 run metres, 36 tackles. She's like, a, and, almost an automatic like one point in a game, isn't she? She's just so good, oh. so consistent. Another intercept too, by the way. She's become the uh, the sneaky intercept king across the last two games. And um, you know, it's it's like it's that timing of the intercept, and and she's there to take it simply because she is just there trying to compete in in every moment in the match. Her motor is just phenomenal, and not only that, if people haven't heard her speak. Uh, I'm sure that she's going to get an opportunity to speak again in today's uh, post-match uh, press conference. And you'd like to think she features the, on NRL.com for the week. Yeah, yeah but, but the way she spoke after last week is an insight to how who she is as a leader. I, I have had the opportunity to listen to her speak a number of times at, at training and when she's speaking to the group and um, – uh, Tiana Penatani, I also put in that category as well. She's she's just a really good communicator. But mm-hmm. Samima is, you know, she's she's inspiring. She's inspirational for those girls, and and she, I think, just the the concise way. And it wasn't that she said it in few words because she did have quite a bit to say. So maybe, maybe, maybe concise is not but quite the she word. She measured that I'm measured her words words well. Like there was there was an yeah, economy I, I of words. Yeah, I think that's it. That's yeah. I think it is. I think you've 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 nailed it there. She's she just captured what the team was about in the way in in what she said in the in the press conference last week. So she gets my one point, mate. Yeah. Uh, she, like I said, she's almost automatic. And I think that she might have featured in every one of my three two ones for the NRLW that we've done this season. I am going a different direction today, though. I, I mean, I know you said you're not going to give her points in Gale, but I loved what Broughton did this game. She ran herself to a standstill in an almost Telfer-esque way in this game. A couple of critical try savers, including one that went to the bunker that got the Eels a seven-tackle restart over the goal line. Uh, yeah, she just chimed in with some really challenging runs. She asked a lot of questions of the right edge of the Roosters' defense, and they they were barely able to contain her. I don't think they yeah they didn't register her for line break, but there were two carries that really uh, tested the bounds of what is a lot or what isn't isn't a line break in terms of the stats keeping. Uh, I I just love what Gal did here, and like I said, the scary part is that she has not fully realized her potential as a rugby league player. So. Uh, I hope she's with the Eels for seasons to come because she is a, an absolutely incredible prospect and just, yeah, just brings an energy to the game that I love. Yeah, and I think this is the this is the the challenge that all of the clubs face with yeah, the introduction of four new clubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that um, each club is only allowed their two marquee signings and... Two protected um, players and then it's a free market. That that's it. So, um, yeah, there there isn't necessarily going to be. Well, they talked about that it's just going to be a market frenzy as as the clubs scramble to sign up players, and and this is where it is going to be a challenge. And I've got no argument, by the way, with you awarding one point to well, Gale and, and like like you said, Rakia Horn uh, in the forwards is a whole stack of cans. I mean. Ellie Johnston, her incredible light feet for a girl as well built as she is, was like fully on display in this game. The back rowers, both of them excellent. The dummy half, Brooke Anderson, superb as well. So a whole stack of players, sixties that are. Well, like, you look at you look at Ellie. Ellie's got one hundred and thirty-four uh, run meters 
and she played 36 minutes, 134 run metres mm -hmm. in 36 minutes. Just like people need, like you just stop and think about that for a moment. Like they are just, they are just phenomenal numbers. And, um, and, and you know, there's, as I said, I could, I could have easily found a reason to give so many players a, a point and mm -hmm. you, you can't find fault with, with anyone in that performance today, whether it be in the starting 13 or, or the bench and credit to, as well to, to Dean Witters. Well, I was going to say, he's almost worth a point this game, isn't he? Like, yeah, we, and, we, we never give him to the coaches, but he, he definitely is right up there. And and look at the youth in the in the Eels back line. Well, and that that's what your that youth and that sisterhood is what I imagine the Parramatta Eels are going to try and build around because like the Brisbane Broncos who went to three grand finals and won three of them. I'm not saying the Eels are the Broncos, but the the team camaraderie was what allowed them to persevere through expansion when the Eels and the Knights came in to the NRLW. And despite expansion, they didn't lose too many core players up until the most recent season. So I imagine that while some teams are going to come knocking uh, and make some incredibly, I say incredibly, lucrative relative to what the salary cap is, uh, offers for some of our players, I, I would hope that what they're doing right now, what this run is going to build culturally, inspires the core of his team to stay around because they're young, they're talented, and if they grow together, they can really, really become something special in this competition. Oh yeah, I mean you you look at um, Faye and uh, Toei Hiku. Yep, on the wings. On yep. wings you know, like um, so you like Toei Hiku. She was playing in the um, New South Wales Nineteens. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, was was she running around for St George in the? I'm not Tush sure. I'm I've, not I've sure. got a fun, funny feeling that she was running around for St George in the Tasha Gale because. Um, she's is she only nineteen this year? Let me just have a bit of a a bit of a look there. Uh, born in two thousand and three, mate. So yeah. Um, so she's turning she's nineteen still this year. Eighteen, yeah. It, it turns nineteen later this year. Yep. So, um, yeah. You so you're talking about um, you know, like the the youth that's there, and then um, yeah, day debuts of with um. With Taylor Preston, you know, it's just, um, yeah. I mean, it's and and even like we, although Ash Quinlan's one of the uh, one of the older players. Again, you, you're talking about um, her time in the NRLW is now. Well, this is her. This is like her debut year. So they found some gems, haven't they? Yes. Yeah, the recruitment has been on point. That I mean, we spoke about it with Natasha Gow, and we, we actually discussed how the NRLW transition from the 2021 season to the 2022 season, despite being the same year, was it, it signaled a lot of the same things, the same steps that the Eels have made in the Tasha Gow 60s about you know, a change in talent identification in recruitment strategy, about players are targeting priorities when it came to you know player. Uh, uh, strengths and weaknesses I suppose you know like what makes a player different and the injection of speed of skill of youth balanced against your core players like Penatani and Taufa and Charrington they found the balance and it didn't it didn't look like they'd found the balance early on obviously because if you look at the the win-loss column the results weren't there but if you looked at the games 
if you looked at the results, you could see that this was a team that was much better than what the win-loss record said it was. Oh, yeah, because, and again, we come back to it, it's that limited season that they have to play in the NRLW that's only five five regular rounds wrong and are wrong. <laughs> well, that maybe there's a maybe there's a Freudian slip in saying it's it's five rounds wrong rather than five rounds wrong uh, long because <laughs> you you don't get that time to build up as a combination and they're now you're now seeing the the teams that have got some sort of combination going like Parramatta and and it's almost like well the timing in a short season uh, could just be working out perfectly for them at the moment it's um, you know, w- once we get to at least, and I'm assuming that next year with 10 teams, it's going to be uh, nine rounds in the regular season. I don't think they're going to jump out to doing, uh, playing each other in a home and away scenario because they, they have to have a bit more money there. And um, the and I guess the the commitment from the, the players to play an extended season um, is going to be a challenge in itself. They 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 really have to uh, remunerate the the players uh, if they want them to play longer seasons. And um, uh, but anyway, you're going to start to see teams working into form more than what you get to do at the moment, where they just have to hit the ground running. And um, fortunately for Parramatta, it's been a case of um, they weren't rewarded on the scoreboard uh, or on the ladder. Uh, for their improving form from round one, but if this was like an NRL team in a um, in a twenty four round season, you would have looked at the form of the team and gone, "Yeah, let's just keep an eye on this team because they're working into something here." And mm-hmm. uh, that's exactly what's ended up happening. So, full, you know, like you have to recognise that even the even the harshest critic now would go, "Look." <laughs> They've just given the ro- the roosters a hiding. They deserve to be in the grand final, and that that's pretty much all I think needs to be said right now. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, they played their they, tails off. The coach devised a fantastic strategy, and they went out and executed. And that's all that matters when it's any given Sunday. When you know yeah. you're in Sunday football, the team that wants it more, the team that you know controls their emotions and and weaponizes their emotions more is the one that's going to come out on top, and that's what the Parramatta did today. So well done to all our girls. Well done to Coach Dean Witters. And and um, uh, shout out to uh, everyone involved in the team. We we know a lot of the staff through their association with the uh, Eels Junior Pathways. It's so good to see uh, some of them on the sideline there and enjoying the victory. Um, yeah, just um, uh, great to have now two... The two, the two senior Eels teams competing on grand final day. It makes this week that much more special. It was already incredibly special for um, Eels supporters. It now's it's had the icing on the cake. There's so much that the clubs, the club are going to be flat out. Like, oh my uh, gosh! Yeah, shout out to all everyone involved with the club because you you are going to have one enormous week coming up. And, um, yeah, good luck to you. Uh, <laughs> congratulations. But uh, I, I don't know how much sleep some of the uh, staff are going to get during <laughs> this week. So Yeah, we already um, had an inkling that the, the PLC crew were going to have an absolutely, not nightmarish for the wrong reasons, but a hectic week with the NRL already booked in for a grand final. But with the NRLW now making it that historic double, wow, there's a lot, 
a lot of work to be done, whether it's at the oh. Leagues Club for PR, media, you know, celebrations, preparation. What an incredible seven days we had ahead of the 60s. Yeah, mate. So for those people who don't end up getting tickets to the game, um, the the Parramatta Leagues Club, it's, it's called the home of the Eels for a reason. It was the place to be for the qualifying final the other night, the prelim, sorry, the preliminary final. Um, it was just absolutely nuts after full time there. Um, it stayed nuts in the surrounds of Parramatta, but <laughs> the, the Parramatta, Parramatta Leagues Club, they, they really went out of their way to make it a memorable evening for supporters with uh, outdoor and indoor events. No doubt it's going to be the same again this week. They've made it so that it's family friendly and it, if you are looking to enjoy grand, if you don't get tickets and you want to enjoy grand final day with fellow eel supporters, enjoying the atmosphere of of a huge group of supporters getting together to cheer the team on, um, stand by for announcements from Parramatta Leagues Club for what they're staging down there. Um, we're looking forward to um, getting ourselves uh, to the game. Um, uh, we'll, we'll stand by as to whether we uh, we make an appearance uh, in terms of uh, our usual sort of appearance down at the club, but I can guarantee that at some point during the evening we will probably be at the club, and especially <laughs> if there's a win to be celebrated, uh, we'll 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 be there enjoying ourselves. So, um, mate, I think that's that's a good. That point. is a wrap. Just yes, to wrap it up. Yep, and. Uh, yeah, thank you for everyone uh, listening. It's been a major week with the tip she- with the tip sheet. Um, we've been churning out the episodes. Uh, hope you've been able to enjoy it. If you haven't listened to every episode, why not? <laughs> <laughs> there will be a, got- there will be a pop quiz on Monday. Yeah, that's that's it. So um, we've got a big week ahead on the Cumberland throws. Stick with us. And uh, maybe I'll see some of you out there at the Eels Open training session tomorrow at Kellyville. Yeah, as always, thanks for stopping by and giving us a listen. Like 60 said, there is a ton of our post-game content to dive into, whether it's goals, grades, or the various uh, tip sheet podcasts. And there'll be more coming with Shelley and Colmack as well, as I imagine your bumpers up, 60s, if you've got a chance to get to it on Monday. Oh, mate, I, 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 <laughs> I feel like there's so much that I've, I've started writing down um, – a, a column and then I keep finding more that I need to write about and then we keep getting our podcast <laughs> out there and, and trying to keep up with the social media and um, <sighs> I, I think I might need to employ an assistant. That's right. You, you need a personal assistant right now, 100%. But, yes, as we said, thanks for stopping by. Make sure to check out the absolute wealth of content out there. Join the conversation in any of those different posts. But until our next episode, stay safe, guys, and enjoy the next seven days because like we said this is a golden era for the blue and gold go you eels